Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Welcome back to Disciple Making. I'm Darren Wright here with my friend Tim Beadle, and we've been talking about the topic before our call this morning of lordship and the relationship to the lordship of Christ to disciple making. So, Tim, uh, what's the seed idea behind this? Well, I think that there's a tendency in our culture uh, when, you know, when we walk with the Lord that we treat God and, and the Lord, his spirit, more as a buddy-buddy friendship relationship. Yes, you know, what a friend we have in Jesus. Hmm. But uh, sometimes when we treat the Lord with a lack of reverence and fear, which is the beginning of all wisdom, Scripture says, hmm. I, I think it, it lessens it lessens the intensity of, of, of the relationship we can have when we don't really uh, make Jesus Lord in our relationships, in our disciple-making, and in our life as well. Hmm. Um, so so that, 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 that was the seed thought in terms of uh, what's been going on. Uh, like, you know, in, in uh, you know, Philippians 2, uh, where it talks about how Jesus emptied himself and sort of became uh, like us and things like that. Uh, but at the end, it says, you know, one day that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that, 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 that Jesus is Lord. Mm-hmm. And I don't, uh, I don't hear that the topic or conversation of, of Lordship much in, in the whole realm of disciple making. I, I don't know. What do you think, Darren? Yeah. I mean, it's, I've certainly heard more about it back in the past where, you know, we'd have this, this distinction between Savior and Lord. He's your Savior, but is he your Lord? Make him your Lord. I would say one thing that kind of jumps out at me, even as we talk about it, is that we, terminology is important in all this. We don't make him Lord. No, <laughs> exactly. He, he is Lord. That's right. And so, you know, even Philippians 2 talks about people recognizing him as Lord, like the veil is pulled back. And yeah. so, so when it comes to us as individuals, it's not that we make him Lord, but we recognize him as Lord and yield to the fact of his Lordship. I think that's at least the way it's played out in my life, Tim. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I might push back a little bit because I was always taught, like in Bible college, unless he's Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Right. Uh, so in that sense, we actually have to sort of make him Lord. Yeah. It, it doesn't mean that he isn't Lord already, but we don't acknowledge him as Lord of our own lives. Yeah. And uh, I guess this past weekend, you know, I was, I was preaching on um, on tithing stewardship, actually. And uh, I was looking in Malachi when, when God says, you know, I, I, the Lord, don't change. And uh, he says, uh, but you've sort of drifted away from me. And he said, return to me and I'll return to you. Now, if he doesn't change, how can he return to us? Well, as we draw back to the Lord, it seems like he's coming towards us. But but it really comes to lordship because uh, it's all talking there in that passage about how we rob God from the opportunity to bless us by withholding our tithes, and and in terms of uh, you know money and things like that, Jesus taught more about money and our attitudes towards things than anything else in the Gospels. Now that'll surprise a lot of people. They they they'll think they maybe taught more about heaven or the kingdom or love. Uh, but he actually talked more about money and our attitude. And you'll all know the passage, you know, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Hmm. And he says, no one can serve two masters because you'll either hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve 
both God and money. And what he's saying is, you know, you, you have to decide who's the Lord or what's the Lord of your life. Uh, what has the pull of your soul? And uh, it might be God, but it might be something else. Uh, I was listening to an old uh, uh, Dylan uh, song. So <laughs> yeah, you got to serve somebody. I was just thinking about that, yeah. It might be, be the devil or it might be the Lord, but you got to serve somebody. Exactly. And I think in the whole area of being a disciple, a follower, hmm. uh, we will only follow Jesus to the extent that he is acknowledged in our life as Lord. Yeah, I hear you. And you know what I would say, Tim, for me again, the distinction between follower and someone who recognizes Christ as Lord is, I don't know there's a huge distinction. Because yeah. if we are following him, it's because of who he is and, and because of his lordship in our life. You know, it says, he says, take up your cross daily and follow me. Yeah. That's okay. a description of, of really what it means for Christ to be Lord of your life. Yeah, some people will follow Jesus initially. Like you think of the uh, the parable of the seeds in the ground. Some seem to take root, but then, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the troubles and worries of the world choke them and they die. I think people, there's a lot of people who start off good intentions, but then uh, I think they never really get to the point where they're totally sold out to Jesus, uh, not only in their mind, but in their heart. Uh, they jump in off the deep end, as it were, and say, okay, I'm all in. It's sort of like when, when uh, a lot of people were leaving um, Jesus after some of his tough sayings, and he turned to the disciples, hey, are you guys going to adios as well? Mm -hmm. And uh, they said, like, to who else should we go? Like, like, I think at that point, they realized that they could turn with the crowds, but they have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back type of thing. Yeah. You know, I think that this all relates to the issue of Tim of, you know, can you be a Christian and not a disciple? Yeah. Can you, can you be a follower and him not be Lord? And I think part of the challenge, again, I, I saw this in my own life is we, we come to faith in a church context many times where we accept Jesus into our heart. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, and, and, and there's no repentance. Well, if there's no repentance, there's no turning, change of heart, change of mind, leading to a change of direction and action. And so we believe, we believe something which, you know, we, we give mental assent to it, yeah. but it hasn't changed our trajectory at all. And I think it's that lack of repentance that yeah. is the distinguished line between he is my Lord or he isn't my Lord. Yeah. And in the local church, it's easy to feel you belong to the church by sort of uh, aligning your lifestyle with the status quo um, sort of level of spirituality of just being part of the group. And, and we lower uh, what it means to make Jesus Lord just because we're accepted by the gang or the group or the church, as it were. Uh, but, you know, as I was thinking about this lordship thing, um, you know, the Lord continues to, to challenge us in our daily growth. And this is what keeps us fresh. And I, I was thinking of the story in Acts chapter 10, uh, you know, where uh, Peter was there at the house of Cornelius and uh, he went up onto the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into this trance and he saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. And it contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles, earth and birds of the air. And then a voice came to Peter says, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And his re response was, no, or surely not, Lord. And I was always taught that growing up, you can never put the word no and Lord 
next to each other because uh, if he is Lord, then you would never say no. But uh, here in this passage, Peter's whole frame of reference uh, based on the traditions of what is right, what is clean and unclean is being challenged. And he's actually being told to do something that ceremoniously or religiously he wouldn't have done. And he found out what his his boundary was. Hmm. comfort level in terms of what it meant to obey because obedience uh, obedience and lordship are sort of two sides of the same coin oh oh absolutely and then i mean we should go a little bit easy on peter there because what he was being asked there was a cataclysmic change of world view yeah. for sure you know like but not unlike tim i would say though not unlike pastors so i'm dealing with and meeting with and talking to who are facing the challenge between legacy church the way we do yeah. church and making yeah. disciples right That's that right. there's this this huge shift so yes. so so peter said no lord which as you said is kind of um uh, uh, what's the right word for that a misnomer what's the what's yeah. the right terminology it just doesn't work yeah it doesn't and uh but but how often in our hearts darren do i think when we're challenged with uh many areas in our life hmm. that we're brought to the edge of our obedience hmm. Uh, like, like as a church coach over the years, I'd ask a question and someone would say, Oh, that's a good question. And when someone said, that's a good question, what I've done is by my question, I've taken to their normal level of where they think mm. and I'm causing them to think outside the box. Mm. And this is what happened to Peter. The Lord was um, presenting something to him and saying, you know what? I've got something bigger than the, the reality that you're currently dealing with. And isn't, and, and as you said, is, isn't that what this uh, thrust of making disciples who make disciples is all about? It's something more than we have been currently taught, what we're currently comfortable with, and all too often what we're currently committed to as well. Yeah. Well, if, if you know, disciple making right in the Great Commission itself, teaching them to obey. I know. Everything I've commanded you, you know, Sun Life refers to as the great omission. We we often see the Great Commission as baptizing and teaching, going, yeah. baptizing, teaching, but it's actually teaching to obey. And yeah. that is, to me, that's the difference between kind of going through the hamster wheel motions yeah. of religiosity and churchianity and making disciples. It's yeah. the teaching to obey, hearing the voice of the Spirit, responding to the Word of God, and then taking action. For me, that's become more and more apparent this year. Yeah, in church statistics, there's a box to or a line to fill in. How many people did you baptize? Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen a, a church uh, dashboard in terms of metrics that said, how many people have you taught to obey? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if actually, because it's harder to measure, but but it's more, it talks, speaks more of the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. That the, the, the goal of the church isn't just to dunk people, but it, it, it's to walk with them and I believe uh, teaching people to obey is as much caught as mm. it is taught. If mm. people don't see it, like like Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, he, he was to be a living example of what it meant to make Jesus Lord. Uh, but unfortunately, we systematize and programmatize, and, and, and unfortunately, um, we fail short, and we want something we can count rather than the commitment to walk with another to become mature in Jesus. Yeah, well, you know, I, I do say, though, Tim, that, you know, it's pretty obvious the early church counted baptisms, at least in the opening chapters yeah. of Acts. And so because of what baptism meant, you know, yeah. it was an act of repenting and believing and starting to follow. It was the first act of obedience. And I think that's why in, in, in the churches we work with, Tim, you know as well as I do that typically there are twice as many, quote, professions of faith yeah. as baptisms 
year after year after year. And the baptism is, is if nothing else, it's at least an indication of an intention to obey because that's, you know, when I teach on baptism, actually, I don't teach that it's a public profession. No. I teach that it's an act of obedience because that's actually what it is. Well, good for you. Yeah, and obviously the biblical model is people believe that we're all uh, baptized in quick succession to one another. Yeah, I know uh, it, it's kind of uh, humorous. Uh, I respect people that they think through that they want to be baptized. Hmm. They say, well, you know, it's a matter of obedience. Um, but why do we have to wait like 10 to 20 years to get baptized after believing when um, – it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that difficult. I think what people are realizing that they maybe made some mental ascent and maybe an emotional response, but they weren't really taught uh, about lordship issues. That mm. it means, you know, if God said it, I believe it and that settles it. And, and, uh, we really have to trust, trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus type of thing. Mm. And so that's why I did this whole lordship issue was, was on my heart. Uh, after I was preaching about the whole monetary thing hmm. and that how we have uh, loyalty to other things that maybe claim allegiance, sovereignty in our life, but really that is the only place where Jesus belongs. Mm, yeah, no, for sure. You know, Tim, just a, just a side note on the baptism thing that I, that I think is relevant to our discussion. I think a lot of the reason for delay in baptism is actually a, a misunderstanding of the gospel. Yeah. And I've I've bumped into people who think they need to clean up more. Yep, they, do. Bapt- they, they need yeah. to get to a certain level to be baptized. And it's it's a misunderstanding of the gospel, the fact that it's done, you're justified. Yeah. And a misunderstanding of, of baptism and following Jesus, that we follow him from where we are. Yeah, I think <laughs> he by takes the same us token, where we are. Yeah, I think by the same token, you know, in terms of talking about lordship, uh, people are struggling with lordship issues in their life. Hmm. They mm-hmm. don't feel they're ready and they confuse that you have to be totally, um, Jesus has to be Lord of everything. Uh, before they can be baptized, which which is not the point of baptism. Obviously, we're identifying being death, 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 death to our old way, and and then raised, as it were, anew. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit to transform us into the image of Jesus. But I I think that's what's happened. People think, well, um, I'm not perfect yet, and therefore I haven't made Jesus Lord yet, even though He is the Lord of all. Mm. And uh, this is the struggle that many churches just don't address. And in this whole area of uh, making disciples and make disciples, uh, we're all in process, but the Lord is Lord from the beginning to the end. Yeah. You know, I often, when, when I baptize people, I encourage them around Romans 12, where it t- says offering your body as a living sacrifice. I say, you know, whatever that means at this stage in life, as you're baptized, do that. <laughs> you know, think about that, reflect on that in the lead up, and then do that. And to me, Romans 12, that, that, that snapshot of c- completely offering is another image of lordship. Yeah, it is for sure. So, you know, in terms of uh, really desiring to be a disciple maker, uh, you'll only go so far unless Jesus is truly the Lord of your life. Hmm. Because, again, uh, he's the one who's given us all authority on heaven and earth. It's his, it's his presence by his spirit that he's with us to the very end. And if we haven't settled things in our own heart in terms of hmm. his place, then it's hard to lead others. And I think Satan uh, will just rattle our chains in that area as well uh, to remind us that uh, you're not good enough to do this. And, uh, you know, the, the, the great liar, the great adversary. But it comes down to, is there a place right now in your heart where Jesus is not Lord? And if not, why? And what are you going to do about it type of thing? 
Yeah. So how would you, Tim, how would you, someone's wrestling with this issue of lordship, of being fully sold out of, uh, what What would you say to the person? Again, uh, I prefer the phrase recognizing his Lord and, and responding yeah. to his lordship, yeah. but what would you do to help a person come to that place specifically? Yeah, I think it uh, comes down to, first of all, understanding our relationship with Jesus. Uh, as you see, you know, what, what is salvation, baptism? Well, like, what is this all about? Like, what is God trying to accomplish in our in our lives and hearts? Hmm. Um, you know, the, the the grand scheme in the heart of God uh, doesn't start, you know, in, in chapter three of of uh, uh, Genesis, where sin comes into the world. God desires that we desire Him. Hmm. Uh, he, he wants to be in this love relationship, and then it's marred uh, because of sin. Uh, Jesus came to deal with that. Uh, but if we always start with, well, I'm a sinner, you know, da 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 da, da. I think we start with the big picture of mm. the original plan of God that he loves us. He wants us to love him. I don't know about you, Darren, <laughs> but when you fall head and heels in love with, so- with someone, you'll do anything for them. <laughs> like mm. you just love them so much. And I wonder if, if, if we, uh, start a chapter, uh, you know, sort of, part of the story and we're always feeling that we're not good enough uh, mm-hmm. and then uh, we always need this but just to fall in love with God and then that's why Jesus said about money don't make money Lord of your life and, mm-hmm. and when I was preaching you know, I, I, I sort of held up a, a five dollar bill and I said uh, uh, you know and money offers you power and influence but that is the position that only is given to Jesus as Lord mm-hmm. of our life and, and therefore we, we I think you have to you start with the big picture and then you have to settle the little issues in your life by which you're still holding on to something for a sense of security other than him. Yeah. Oh, no, for sure. You know, it's interesting what you mentioned. I'm not sure if it's you that mentioned it, Tim, but I just heard recently that, you know, we often preach the gospel from Genesis 3 to Revelation 20. I know. Exactly. Was, that, was that you that mentioned that? Uh, I don't know. Well, well, maybe the Genesis 3 part. So uh, Yeah, you know, and so we miss the start that we were created for a relationship with God, and yeah. we miss the restoration of all things at the end. And, and you know, and, and really, it's 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 an interesting way of framing it up. And I think for people to recognize that they are created for a relationship with Him, yeah. and right relationship means that we know who He is and who we are in relation to Him. Lord, He is Lord, and we're His followers. I think that that's the restoration. You know, that, that takes place. That's the restoration of all things. Can I ask you another question, Tim, though, while we're on that? What's the relationship of the the fullness of the Spirit to this whole conversation of lordship? Yeah, well, it sort of goes back to what you said in uh, Romans 12. Um, you know, th- there comes a surrender as we offer our bodies, ourselves as living sacrifices. The Holy Spirit, um, you know, one of, one, of, one of the roles of the Spirit is to counsel us, but also to convict us. Hmm. It's like in Ephesians 5, uh, where we are to be filled, continually filled with the Holy Spirit and allow the Spirit to take control of us. Just like as it says, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. But in the same way that if you have too much of that alcoholic spirit, it'll control you. Be controlled by the Spirit of God. I think uh, lordship means that, um, well, this this English guy, Stephen Olford, years ago, gave an illustration. He says, in your Christian walk, it's like walking down at the side of a highway and this vehicle goes by and a little tiny speck comes up into your eye and, and you, you can't continue in your walk. Your eyes are watering and you have to get rid of that little foreign body before you can continue in your walk because there's something there that, that's an impediment. It impedes you in walking. And I think the fullness of the spirit, the continual 
fullness, just submission, surrender. And I always say surrender is not giving up, it's trading up. Hmm. Uh, we're surrendering to the Holy Spirit. That's an act of acknowledging the Lordship as we do that. Hmm. Oh, that's that's really well said, Tim. Great little illustration, too, about the speck in the eye. Yeah. And, and I know we've, prior to this call, we, we talked a lot, or before the recording, we talked about a lot of different avenues to run down, yeah. but I think we've yeah. kind of wrapped it up there. Any final thoughts on, yeah. on Lordship and, and, and action steps for people who are, who are wrestling with this reality of being a disciple? Yeah, exactly. So... Uh, I guess as Jesus said to his disciples, are you gonna, are you gonna leave too if you don't like what I'm saying? And hmm. they said, no, to who else would we go? That, that was actually a statement of lordship. And that's where we'll end today. That, that, that Jesus is Lord, whether we acknowledge it or not. But what would it take for you to truly make him Lord of your life today? Uh, join us on another episode uh, with my friend Darren Wright. I'm Tim Beadle and this is Disciple Making. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or christfollowerdna.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.